Welcome to the Tactics Meeting, the program where we talk to subject matter experts about response tactics and technology. And today on the program, we have Mark Curtis from Crowley Maritime, who is also the Vice President of the Washington State Maritime Cooperative Board of Directors. It's going to be a great show about WISMIC and its umbrella plan, coverage, and a bunch of other stuff as well. So stick around. This episode of the Tactics Meeting is brought to you in part by Easy 213, developed by Portage Bay Solutions and by yours truly, Van Smiley. You know, whenever we start getting into the resource ordering process for drills or responses, getting together a process that works in the command post and supports virtual participants becomes really difficult. We've tried Excel spreadsheets in Microsoft Teams, we've done paper, emailing back and forth, and none of it's all that satisfactory. We developed this online shareable 213RR application and used it in a number of worst case drills 2022 and in one real response. We continue to revise it and it, it works great. Some of you saw it at the Clean Pacific last year in Renton. If you're interested in streamlining that ordering process, I can't recommend it highly enough. Go over to the Portage Bay Solutions website and take a look or if you'd like a test drive, give me a call and we can set it up for you. I, I plan to use it in all of my exercises throughout the 2023 calendar year, and I hope you do too. One last bit of news before we jump into this amazing episode. Since Clean Pacific is not happening this year, the Tactics Meeting podcast, along with Crowley Maritime, the Marine Exchange of Puget Sound, Clean Rivers Cooperative, and I hope others are going to be sponsoring a virtual conference called the Tactics Conference. It'll be online. It'll go from 9 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon, August 31st. More details to come about the sessions that'll be available, but mark your calendar. You're going to want to join us. Now let's get to the program today. Well, it's time for the Tactics Meeting, and today we have Mark Curtis, who is the Vice President of the Board of Directors for the Washington State Maritime Cooperative. Mark, welcome to the program. It's a great pleasure. I've uh, I've really been looking forward to this since you asked me to be on it. Well, WISMIC is uh, not well understood, I think, in the maritime community. So this is a great opportunity to, to talk to you, a, a board member. But before we do that, this is um, we do most of the time on the program. Can you take a minute and tell us how you got started? Oil spill response, emergency response for maritime is rarely the thing that people start out to do in their career. There's no there's no uh, degree in college for this. So, well, how did how did you get in the chair? This is probably going to be the first time somebody gets to say this to you. You're wrong. No, wait a minute. Hold on. I got to I got to check my I'm never wrong. Dan Smiley, you are wrong. I went to college for this. 
I, I did. I went to the Massachusetts Maritime Academy and I specifically studied maritime safety and environmental protection, which had a minor for oil spill response based on uh, some of the funds from Open 90. They have a oil spill simulator at the Massachusetts Maritime Academy. Uh, so as a cadet back in the late 90s, uh, I was able to learn tactics and all the different uh, components of how to respond to oil spills. Uh, and even during my senior summer, before uh, I went into my uh, senior year at the academy, I was over in Santa Barbara with Clean Seas and uh, uh, learning a little bit more hands-on with some of the equipment and the vessels and uh, going out to the rigs and training with uh, some of the workers out on the rigs. So for the very first time, somebody gets to tell you, yes, there's a degree for this. Uh, they've expanded their program at the academy. They not only have a degree for maritime safety, environmental protection, they have a degree for emergency management, a full bachelor's of science. And uh, we get some of their cadets through my other job over at Crowley Maritime. That's really interesting. So uh, I guess we're going to travel down a rat hole a little bit, but what is the oil <laughs> spill simulator like? And as an alumni, do you think uh, we could get them on the program to talk about how they use that in their curriculum? I think they would be very excited to come on and talk to you. Uh, I don't know if Ed O'Brien is still there, but he was running the simulator for years when I was there. Uh, what it is, is you walk into the main room and it's a, it was a very 1980s vibe to it. It's gigantic computers and uh, it, it's almost like walking onto the bridge of a ship. You, you know how you've got all of your consoles and that giant blue metal casing behind it? Well, that's what you walk into and that's for the controllers. They're the ones with the screens and they're able to uh, change trajectories and uh, do overflights. When you're taking the course, they put you into one of the six rooms. So you're only able to have your perspective as to what's going on. So you might be over in the helicopter. And so you're going to get that view over there. You might be uh, on the ground uh, near the beach uh, doing scat and things like that. Just, and they're only going to feed you information for your location. And you're feeding that information back. Now, bear in mind, all of this was on the cusp of ICS coming into play. This is all pre-9-11. So uh, a lot of that, which has come since then, uh, has been inter uh, interwoven into uh, the new major, that emergency management major. Uh, so they, they'll know a little bit more about ICS than I'll ever know. Uh, but uh, being in that room and just trying to focus not knowing what everybody else was seeing is is it was it's groundbreaking for what it was i mean we're talking it was in uh installed in probably 92 and uh i was there in 96 to 2000. and are they still using it to the best of your knowledge to my knowledge yeah uh one of the things they've got a bridge simulator they got a slow diesel uh simulate so their big thing is hands-on they also have training ships uh just like some of the other maritime academy uh, that are out there. One of them's a uh, diesel, one of them's a sailing vessel. They got a tugboat. So th they're a really hands-on academy, uh, which is what I got out of it. And that's kind of how I got here today. 
So after graduating, what did your career path look like? Not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> finally, finally. All right. Not... So, in, so in addition to working with Clean Seas, I also did a internship with uh, what you remember uh, MSO, MSO Boston, back when they were called Marine Safety Offices. So Coast Guard Boston. Uh, doing vessel inspections, I got to do a Globex study with Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute. So I was just testing the waters, seeing what I wanted to do with this crazy degree. And I ended up, uh, believe it or not, working on cruise ships. <laughs> there was a there was a nine month interval where I was doing air quality consulting in New England. Uh, and so I got my EPA license and I could sit in a field on a lawn chair and look at a smokestack and tell you the opacity. Uh, my eyes were certified to check out the opacity coming out of smokestacks, uh, but I did not like that job. Uh, but I got hired on by uh, a major cruise line who Janet Reno got in front of the nation back in the day and called it the world's, uh, sorry, the country's worst corporate polluter. Now, this is after Three Mile Island. This is after Love Canal. Uh, so for this company, this was a game changer. They they faced a five-year federal probation period. They got $65 million in fines, which was the largest environmental fine uh, at that point. Uh, and they were hiring environmental people, people who had degrees. They understood the rules, the science, and the uh, technology that was available. So I sailed for about 10 years. Uh, learned everything about engineering, learned about the navigation side of things, was able, as you and I were talking just previously, comfortable enough to go up to the bridge and plot out different positions on the charts as to where clean waters would be discharged, advance of the actual discharges, and then uh, to be able to go back later and second guess and say, wait a second, what happened at three o'clock in the morning while I was asleep? <laughs> Uh, so I did that for 10 years. Uh, after that, I, I, I came shoreside. Uh, I thought it would be an interesting shift to try and fix what, as a mariner, I thought was wrong with the company. Uh, so I was their internal auditor for ISM and ISO-related items for three and a half years. I was their lead auditor and eventually their senior auditor. So all the safety, environment, health issues, uh, I helped out with that eventually running their incident response center for another three years, uh, which in comparison to what I do these days, uh, they had about two incidents a day, which would warrant ramping up a incident uh, response. Uh, so about 600 responses a year, uh, which, you know, they didn't have weekends, they didn't have holidays, that sort of thing. So burnout is quick. That's a big number. Uh, it's human cargo. And and that's the biggest difference. Right now, I work for a company, and we have a very quiet cargo, and I like quiet cargo. Human cargo is a totally different ballgame, and you have to think about things very differently. I ended Can you imagine up imagine if every container that you carried complained about the temperature and the, food. the ships rolling so oh. hard. Could you could you slow the ship down so it doesn't roll so much? Yeah, yep. No, I yeah. Uh, having been on board and been with them, yep. Uh, I was actually Asia specific when uh, when I took over the security role. Uh, so I was dealing with crime on board the ships in ashore uh, for about four years. And then I got 
picked up finally by this awesome company called Crowley Maritime, uh, which is based in Jacksonville, Florida, but has offices in Seattle and California and Alaska. And I got to spend time up there this past summer up in Valdez and Anchorage. So uh, big changes all around. So yeah, long, long, short career of 23 years. So how did you come to become to be sitting on the board of directors for the Washington State Maritime Cooperative, or WISMIC, as we will call it going forward? Well, I think you nailed it when you said it at the beginning, where a lot of people don't know what WISMIC is. So uh, let's hit that one hard first, uh, because even I didn't know. Even though I was in charge of, you know, response plans for vessels sailing into Washington state waters, a lot of it was handled by our ship's agent, you know, okay, sign this document, pass it along without the crew on board really understanding what was being signed on their behalf. So any vessel of a certain size sailing through Washington state waters has to enroll with a certified spill management team or have their own Washington state plan. As a private sector person, having somebody else take care of it is the greatest thing in the entire universe. I've been dealing with plans like crazy for the past few months, uh, whether it's the federal plans, whether it's the Alaska plans, whether it's the Panama Canal plan. So to have the ability to turn to an organization such as WISMIC and say, wait, we can come under your plan, your umbrella plan, and you've got us covered for the first 24 hours of an incident? Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> and when that was explained to me, you know who explained it to me? It was Jim Morris. Jim Morris is awesome. He uh, he, he was the person that had the job at Crowley before me. And he sat me down and he explained it to me one day. And he said, listen, this organization, make sure all of our vessels sign up with them because what they'll do is if something were to happen, the captain's first call is to WISMIC because you've registered with WISMIC and you're under the WISMIC plan that says, hey, call us first. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to talk about, hey, what kind of equipment do we need to get rolling? We have a cooperative agreement with MSRC. And oh, wait a second, you're on the north side of the waters? We also have an agreement with Western Canada MRC. So it all ties together. And he said, don't ever stray from this path. This is a good organization. So that was my first introduction was Jim Morris, really just sitting me down and explaining to me what it was because he had been on the board. Now, to back up a little bit, WISMIC is a relatively small organization. I think we're at seven full-time employees maybe eight now, um, but they are managing a lot of stuff uh, it, on the response side in order to make sure that WISMIC is a real thing, there's a board of directors. Now, how does this come about? That's the, how did this even become a thing? And it's genius, it's legislation. There's actually a law that says, hey, you must have a Washington state plan or fall under somebody's umbrella plan. Oh, and by the way, we're also going to have an offshore emergency response towing vessel over at Nia Bay 
And uh, if you're sailing through our waters and you're coming into our port, you're going to actually pay into that in case you have an emergency. This is a model that a lot of US states need to look at and they need to understand it because it works. Uh, right now, we're talking wind farms. So you're 10 miles off the East Coast of the United States and you're gonna come across 250, 300 windmills. Okay, what happens if you lose propulsion? There's no emergency response towing vessel over there right now. It's not even required. That should be on that coast as much as it is on the Washington coast. Under WISMIC, that's part of the deal. You know, it's not just the Western Canada MRC. It's all and getting a spill management team for 24 hours. It's you have all of these assurances because you signed up your vessels with WISMIC. And there's okay, that was a really long answer. <laughs> no, no, it's a great, it's a great answer. You know, WISMIC started off uh, as the Washington State Maritime Commission, actually a department, a part of the state of Washington and then spun off some years later when the state of Washington realized eh, we don't really want to be in the spill business. We're already in the regulatory business. And so it spun off as an independent nonprofit organization, which it's been ever, ever since. And I think you nailed it. The, the, the big thing that when it WISMIC is, the first thing that WISMIC really is, is a Washington state plan holder, right? They, they hold the plan. You can go write your own plan. Crowley could have a Washington state plan. Nothing wrong with that. You can write a plan, submit it, uh, do your annual tabletop exercise every year, conduct your two equipment deployments every year, maintain your, their, your team. Uh, nothing wrong with that. And many organizations, uh, did that for many, many, many years. At this moment, there's only one left. Everyone else that has had their own plan, Polar Tankers, Alaska Tanker Company, they have all said, you know, BP Shipping, they've all said, you know what? Wismic's plan is good. Wismic's model is effective. It's efficient. It, it works. It works. It works. And it is uh, less expensive and because they're managing it for all of these organizations uh, and have such a good relationship with the Washington State Department of Ecology, it is, uh, there's no reason to do anything else. Uh, even ecology refers to WISMIC's plan as Washington's plan, which is, is really great. And to get back to it, how did I, you know, with, with Jim moving on in his career, uh, uh, the, the actual uh, other members of the team reached out. They said, okay, well, you're his replacement. I said, well, nobody replaces Jim. <laughs> I said, I, I, I'm gonna be the guy that tries to figure out what, you know, what to do next you know, what kind of technologies, what kind of awesomeness is out there. And you and I are gonna have a very long conversation about drones very soon. Um, but then uh, they said, hey, you know, the cool thing about that board of directors is it's made up of different parts of the industry. So it's not made up of full-time employees of WISMIC. It's made up of a representative from each of the industries that sails into Puget Sound. 
or sails into Washington state waters. So you have, place, uh, you have people like the uh, Washington State Ferry. You've got the fishing industry. You've got the container ship industry. You've got tug and towing. You've got the petroleum tankers. So it's not one perspective. You're, it's it's the definition of diversity and inclusion to say, listen, you know, if it, if one group just brings in more money than the other group, and we're going to give them all the attention, well, then okay, who fails more often? Let's give them more attention. Uh, no, it, it, so so this board of directors is very well laid out in the sense that everybody is a representative, everybody has a vote, and they're able to discuss up and coming changes to uh, international and local and national rules and regulations and say, hey, how is that going to impact us? How is that going to impact our operation? What's happening in the trending uh, economy? You know, that stack up of LA Long Beach of all the container ships versus, well, the oil tankers are going to go right in because there was a shortage of fuel at the time. So all sorts of different things are impacting how the vessels are coming and going from Washington state waters. And to have that cross-section on the board of directors is amazing because you're able to make a more educated decision on the future of emergency response and how we uh how we respond but also why we respond yeah and as we brought new members in like uh, uh polar tankers alaska tanker company crowley th those people have joined a uh, representative of those organizations have have joined the the board to help steer the organization uh through those industry changes and so just because you've given up your state plan and joined Wisnick as a member doesn't mean you've lost your voice. Exactly. You know, and there's other groups just like it, such as, uh, you know, the Harbor Safety Committee. It's as important to be a part of that. It's as important to be a part of the resilience group that you and I uh, have uh, met up on a few times where we start talking about the Cascadia event and we talk about hey, how do we communicate with the maritime industry or how does a county or a federal agency talk to the maritime industry during a large scale, a 9.0 plus Cascadia type event? Um, and it's about networking at that point, you know, and you start to realize that the people that go to Clean Pacific are the same people that you want to talk to. And you you start going to each other's drills and exercises and you start to learn from each other and collaborate. And I think uh, WISMIC is one of those catalysts that brings people together. You know, I enjoy our meetings because I start, I'm starting to recognize people that I've worked with, uh, you know, at, 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 as a private, uh, you know, uh, company, but also in the response uh, arena altogether. So. One of the things that I've always liked about being associated with, with WISMIC is the talent of our incident commander pool. And these guys, the likes of uh, Dave Sawicki and Vince Mitchell and Jeff Shaw, I mean, they have been around the industry for many, many years. I, I, I learn from them all the time. And so if there's an incident and the WISMIC plan is activated 
WISMIC members can be assured that the people responding on their behalf are first line responders. These are not, these are not, uh, you know, your, your, your B or C team kind of guys. They, they are the first string guys and uh, that gives me peace of mind. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, the names are familiar, the faces are familiar. And uh, that's one of the things about the industry. You know, it's, I, I don't know if, if this is a point that I want to share, but I've been listening to your podcast almost nonstop since uh, the holidays. Uh, I, I drive a lot. So I drove from, uh, right now I'm based in Jacksonville, Florida, but I'll be back in Seattle soon. Uh, but I did the drive across the country from Seattle to, uh, to to Jacksonville. And then during the holidays, I did Jacksonville to Boston and back. And one of the things that really struck me is not only the people that you bring on, the Susanna Lagonis and, and one out of the group, uh, it's A, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Uh, but the names are so familiar because you've worked with them. You've seen them. They've been part of such amazing opportunities to learn, whether it was Macondo, uh, Deepwater Horizon, or whether it was all the way back to Exxon Valdez or the Al Allens, where it was, hey, let's just, they, he was doing stuff before that Al, Exxon Valdez even happened. Um, just the generational gaps are out there. Like I said, I learned this stuff in school that had been done on the water and in person 10 years earlier. And, you know, now I listen to your podcast and I hear you talking to the social media teams. And I realize there's a whole nother generation behind me that are, you know, just as excited as I am about this stuff. And, uh, you know, you can see that it's like pre-Valdez. Valdez, Macondo, my group, and then, you know, this newer generation, which are very excited to be on the leading edge and, and understanding that communications is one of the most important parts moving forward uh, and, and making sure that the messaging is getting out to that community who's impacted and being able to say, hey, no, Wismic is in charge currently. It's the first 24 hours. Uh, They're working with us as the responsible party, da, 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 da. that messaging saying, you know, we've got a team that are so qualified that they're going to be in charge. They've got the reins. They know what they're doing. Things are being uh, cleaned up as we're talking. Bam. Uh, it, as a private company person, it helps me sleep at night. And I wish, I really wish other states would start to pick up on this model. Uh, you know, my company is all over North America. We go into the Caribbean. Uh, we have large uh, presence down in Puerto Rico. But the only places that have anything like this is Washington State, Oregon with MFSA, and Alaska. California, you still have to have your own plan, but I don't feel the same intensity that I feel with the state of Washington, where they, you know, they make you have your own California state plan. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a little different. And Alaska is a little bit of a, is a little different in, in the, in that 
like Wismic, who will be your spill management team for the first 24 hours, Serves will be your spill management team for the first 72 hours, but they're not a plan holder, right? No, but right? They, so you, they, they, they swap it out and they say the facility can be your plan holder. So if we're going up to say Nikiski, Marathon extends their response plan to our vessels. So whether it's the Cook Inlet plan or the Prince William Sound plan, we're on their plans up there. Now I have other vessels that are under a government contract. So we have to then go and write our own Alaska plan. In addition, to, it's very convoluted. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and I, I, for anybody out there that's listening that deals with plans in the state of Alaska, there's some really good third-party vendors who are really good at working uh, with the state, with uh, ADEC specifically, to understand the rules and regulations, what the plans need to have, what the drills and exercise schedules are. Um, but it's very, very complicated. Uh, and I'm glad that I've been working with some of the most professional third-party vendors uh, since I took over about a year and a half ago from Jim Morris. You don't write your and maintain your own plans. You get some help with that. Absolutely. I, I I absolutely couldn't do that personally. I don't. That's not my strong suit. Uh, and I would probably have to hire three or four people to work with me. And uh, for, for a private company to have a department that would manage that, we'd have to be a lot more uh, financially successful, I think, to for me to have a full department of people that could write plans and monitor and uh, also do the same drills and exercises that we're also expected to do. Um, and, and I think that's the biggest shocker to some people is, you know, we're moving other people's property on vessels that we don't always own. You know, we, we're a management company. We, we have the document of compliance for the vessel, but it's sometimes not our vessel. And it's definitely not our goods. It's not our petroleum. It's not our containers. We're moving things for other people. And, uh, you know, to be that middle person, you really need to go with strategic vendors. I'll give a great example. One of my new favorite vendors is International Bird. Because of your podcast, uh, I had the opportunity to reach out to them and say, hey, uh, we we should probably have... A non uh, not a non-disclosure, excuse me, a, a service level agreement so that should something happen, we have the rate scale. We're ready to go. We understand. We know how to call you. We know how to activate you. But also, we'd like to use you to train people. We'd like to bring you into conferences where captains can uh, ask questions of how you do certain things and what would be happening should there be oiled uh you know, sea lions or seals or uh, salamanders, because they don't just do birds, they do all the creepy crawlies. Um, so one of the things that I'm tasked with this year specifically is finding more and more of those strategic vendors. And I'm not going to lie, your podcast has helped me uh, greatly uh, to, to, to source some of them and find out who's who and make sure that we're in agreement before something happens but more importantly, to drill and exercise and learn who they are and what they're capable of. Yeah. I mean, it's helped me too. I've learned a lot just doing the podcast. And I was just recently 
for about two weeks uh, remotely on Teams, the planning section chief for the Speranza Marie uh, hull removal down on Santa Cruz Island. And one of the issues that began to come up was uh, NERDA, natural resource damage uh, assessment and the investigation that the California may have been imposing. And I gotta say that the hour that I spent with Greg Challenger from Polaris Applied Sciences talking about uh, NERDA uh, really has teed me up for a number of discussions uh, along the way, including, hey, you just gotta, you gotta get a hold of Polaris and get a nerd liaison into your command post if that's a thing. I mean, that's, so that's another kind of pre-identified thing. It's like, hey, yes, I have to have wildlife coverage and international bird rescue, Barbara and Matt are, are awesome. Um, being, being prepared for nerd, because you don't want to bring them in three weeks after, you want to bring them in right at the beginning so they can establish as fast as they can a clean baseline for what right so that's a so that's a thing um, it's almost like you know we we have to over at wismic have a pre-built 207 <laughs> with you know here here's here's who's going to be sitting at these virtual tables in the very least and that's something that you and I can go and talk about forever, which is the uh, the differences in how to run a command post in person versus fully virtual versus the scariest one of all, the hybrid version, uh, which has been super successful recently. Uh, you know, there were some growing pains during the during the pandemic, of course, where it's like, oh, this this was very painful, uh, but. Uh, I already have a couple 207s that I have ready to go, depending on which part of my business needs to ramp up. But what I'm adding in the background is, okay, here are the phone numbers for the vendors. Here's the phone number for this group, this group, this, because it all will depend on what is the incident and where are they? Yeah. Who the, you know, who the responsible party is. So at, at, at Wismic on the flow chart of the watch list for Wismic, I have a little fork, right? And it and it says, you know, it is is this is the spiller, regardless of what it is, right? Is the spiller uh of uh, uh, carrying petroleum uh as as cargo in bulk? Not not or as, or as the Canadians would say, the polluter. I, oh, yes. I laughed so all right I was yeah. probably driving through Virginia at that point I laughed so hard when uh, uh Western Canada MRC said the polluter there you go uh we like to say you know the uh, the potential responsible party but that's from the private side <laughs> right well even I'm I'm corresponding with WCMRC right now Wismic is uh looking to uh, partner with them on uh, a tabletop exercise. They actually reached out to to Wismic. Uh, they're doing their ten thousand ton exercise on April twenty sixth, and we're going to exercise our mutual aid agreement and set up a separate command post in Port Angeles. And in their email to me this morning, they wrote, 
polluter slash RP, right, to them. Because, you know, as I've said on the podcast, for the United States, as far as I know, is the only country in the world that uh, gives the polluter, the, the uh, uh, what we call the responsible party, an official seat at the head of the table. Um, that's huge. It is. It, 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 you know, one of the things that you got to remember and that I have to remember is we're going to be signing a lot of checks, you know, if we are the cause, if we are, you know, regardless of what happened, you know, there needs to be an agreement and to be part of the experience, to be part of that, you know, unified command, it is daunting. Yeah. You know, and I've been very fortunate to, I don't know if you've met uh, Paul Manzi, but he uh, served as our RPIC up in Valdez back in May for the Prince William Sound uh, exercise. And he's done it before. Uh, but one of the things that he said to me is, you need to have more than one for this organization, for any organization. You have to have that bench depth. Kind of like what Wismick does. You know, there is not one incident commander you have a band of incident commanders you know you got to have that bench depth you got to have more than one person who's able to be your planning section chief you've met kelly bachman she's a fantastic planning section chief however she's training other people to also do it you know getting into their ics training courses and making sure they're ready and prepared and certified because you know wismic's got the first 24 hours does your spill management team then take over or was it a small enough incident that your oh. own internal team can step up and take over and who's got the right certs and who does it? Um, so well, even if your internal team is going to step in and take over, your internal team needs to be a Washington state approved spill management team. So you either have to go. So there, there are, there are only there are two ways to become an approved spill management team in Washington State. One is to be a plan holder, like Wismic is, right? We we put together our incident management team information as part of the oil spill response plan, and that's how it gets approved. Or you submit an application to become a spill management team and document all of your personnel and your 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 training and the. You know the Gallagher's and the ECMs and the Hudsons of the of the world. The professional spill management teams have have done that, and then a number of organizations who have decided not to maintain a plan any longer in Washington, but that they will come in after Wismic and be their own spill management team, uh, have also submitted ap applications. So, but it has to be one or the other, and Wismic's only going to surrender the uh the role of incident commander to a washington state approved spill management team and yes wismic will do it for the first 24 hours but if that approves me if crowley came you had an incident and you came to me at hour two and said you know dan we're going to be ready to transition we're, we're going to take over uh you know in the next uh, couple of hours we'll just start the documentation you can have it on hour one you can have it on hour 23 We'll yep. give it to you as fast as you, you can have it as fast as you want it. Yep. It goes back to strategic vendors for, uh, you know, there's so many shipping companies out there and there's, to your point, so few people certified to do it. 
that you got to align as close as you can to your business. And, uh, you know, it's saying, okay. And it's the same thing in Alaska, you know, where, yep, if you're going up into Prince William Sound, it's surfs. When you're going to Southeast Alaska, it's going to be Seabra. So it's finding that strategic vendor that your company, A, we're on the same path because Crowley is on a path of sustainability. So we have to be even more careful about who the vendor is and are we matching our trajectory moving forward? So there's a there's a lot of processes in the background to bring on new vendors and say, okay, yeah, this is a good company. They've got the right insurance. They've got this. Oh, wait a second. Let's look at their let's look at their history and let's see where they're going as well. And uh, that's that's an important part of it. Yeah, really. You talked about uh, about uh, Al Al Allen who really started his career because he was curious about the oil seeps in Santa Barbara. And he's always reminded me a little bit of Benjamin Franklin flying his kite, right? It's like, you know, it's that level of personal curiosity that that uh, I always found intriguing with Al. He was scuba, he would go snorkeling and scuba diving and doing the math in his head for crying out. That was hearing him talk was just phenomenal, you know. Uh, understanding how we got to where we are today, you know. And, and I think one of the best parts of what we do is working so close with industry. Again, the board of directors are representatives of the different industries that industry is getting safer. The goal is to work ourselves out of a job. My goal is for my company not to need a director of emergency prep. Our goal at WISMIC is to say, we would love it if any year in time, all we do is drill and exercise. That would be the best. We're not getting the hands-on experience of a Macondo or you know an Exxon Valdez. However, how great would it be if the industry, this phenomenally, uh, financially, uh, economically important industry of moving goods using the world's oceans and the waterways didn't have spills, didn't have emergencies, didn't have groundings and collisions because they keep getting safer and safer. They're working with organizations such as WISMIC to learn, uh, you know, the, the opportunities. I was part of one of your courses recently. You taught a Haswhopper refresher and you allowed me to sit in. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn some more this year because I don't want to sit and look at a computer for eight hours. Yep. Um, you know, push next, 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 next. Um, well, I, I, I have, you know, I started teaching Wismix Haswhopper class my, myself just be, because the online uh, options are, are so rarely targeted to the actual pollutants that we're working with. And I know you're gonna, I, I believe you're gonna be WISMIC's president soon, not just vice president, but I'm expecting in, in, in March. And, you know, I've been, uh, I've been talking to some folks about, you know, WISMIC putting together uh, an ever expanding larger annual Haswhopper class that the members could take advantage of. And if it became something that uh, meant that we, you know, need to go, you know, rent some 
conference space in order to accommodate them. I just think that would be a nice benefit to the membership. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not going to sign on to it right away, uh, but I purposefully went out and got my uh, certificate. I do have a Haswhopper trainer certification, even though it's not required. <laughs> Uh, but I built my own course and I taught it internally. I taught the 24-hour uh, internal course uh, to some new qualified individuals. I started that back in 2021. And then I built out an eight-hour refresher. So every year, everybody that's on my list is able to come. And then we opened it up because we were doing the big exercise and we had a couple external people uh, also join us. And so we've been doing not just the ICS 300 via Kelly, but also the Haswhopper 24 and the Haswhopper 8. Uh, but that is easily transferable. And one of the biggest components is something I stole from you. Uh, anybody that has ever been part of any of Dan's uh, webinars is cahoots. Uh, and I would use the cahoots at the beginning and the end of each section in order to reinforce uh, the, the information covered during the section. And adults love to compete with one another, and they get very excited, and they uh, are able to rehash the information. So I need to thank you for that one, uh, because I've been using Cahoots ever since and uh, for corporate training, and it's, it's very successful. Yeah, my sister, who teaches high school in the Seattle School District, turned me on to Kahoot, because she uses it with her, her kids, and I taught a... Uh, a 10 session uh, ICS practicum course with Clean Rivers Cooperative last year. And we used Kahoot as our test. So we did it. We would run the Kahoot. It was 10 questions at the beginning of every session. We'd run it right at the beginning and then we'd teach the session and then we'd run the same Kahoot at yep. the end and we would document the the answers. And for, for people who are out, uh, responsible for teaching. One of the great things about Kahoot is when you're done, you can download uh, all of the results as an Excel workbook. So each question, you know, who got it right, who got it wrong, gives you a score. So you can literally use it as your uh, testing documentation so that for something like Haswhopper, if you had to come back and show OSHA that you, you did indeed, uh, have a test have a test then then you can use this documentation and it, it worked really well so people would you know they get two or three of ten right at the beginning and then they'd get a uh, nine or ten of ten correct at the end and that demonstrated what uh curtis at colleen rivers like to call proof of learning we didn't give a test we documented proof of learning i'm with you i i i use it a lot so so well, Mark, is there anything else you would like to tell the audience about WISMIC before we call this episode a day? No, I, I think I just say share the word. You know, I, I, to your point, we, we need people to understand what WISMIC is there for. It's not really well understood. And we're probably going to be focused on that a little bit over the next few years of getting the word out. But, you know, if you're listening to this podcast uh, and you've got ships or vessels that are sailing up into the Pacific Northwest and they're given the option, you know, hey, 
you know, who are you going to sign on for for your Washington state plan? Choose Wismic. You know, reach out and say, hey, who do I need to talk to? Uh, it, like I said earlier, it's mostly done by the agents on your behalf. But at the end of the day, you need to also understand that there needs to be something on board called a field guide. Field guide is awesome. It literally tells the, the, the person on watch, hey, step one, step two, step three, step four. Field guide is very detailed uh, in terms of what needs to be done in what order. And then there's a placard that just goes up in the wheelhouse. And it's uh, it's really that simple. Uh, but it engages the crew and it makes them think about it. You know, other places in the country and the world, you don't have to think about the potential for oil spill or the potential for a grounding and collision. You're just doing your job. But when you see that placard or you see that field guide, to me, it puts you on a little bit of a higher level of uh, awareness. Saying, all right, now we're going into Puget Sound. Oh, wait, we're going to Puget Sound. Hey, we're going to go past Nia Bay. There's that emergency response towing vessel out there. Uh, things like that. So uh, just be a little bit more aware and share the word with other people about WISMIC and what we're trying to accomplish out here. Great, great, great advice. Well, Mark Curtis from Crowley Maritime Services, Vice President of the Washington State Maritime Cooperative Board of Directors. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Tactics Meeting. If you have an idea for a show or you want to be a guest on the program, you can email me. The email address is podcast at thetacticsmeeting.online. You can reach me by phone at 206-495-3805. And... If you want to be a sponsor of the program, and that would help a lot because for the last two years I've been doing this show completely out of pocket and it's not free, so I could use a little bit of help. I've set up a Patreon site and even one dollar a month would go a long way towards helping me keep this program going. So if you enjoy the content, if you find value in the show, head on over to Terminus.us and sign up to be a sponsor. We'll mention your name at the beginning of the show. Thanks a lot, and let's get back to work.